Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. A woman in Iran was beaten to death by the morality police on Friday the 15th of September for allegedly failing to wear her hijab properly. It has sparked major protests right across Iran and on social media, attracting the participation of many celebrities. The murder of this woman has shone a light on Iran's violation of women and gender minorities' rights and the use of the morality police to brutalise a population. To discuss Iran's morality police and the recent murder, I'm joined by Dr. Elham Naij, an expert in Iran and gender studies and gender relations. So Mahsa Aminish, uh, she was also known by the name Gina. She was a 20-year-old woman from Kurdistan province, from the city of uh, Saqqiz. She came to Tehran along with her family to visit some relatives and friends. Unfortunately, she was arrested in Haqqani um, uh, metro station, which is in, in Tehran. She was arrested by the morality pol- police. Her brother tried to stop the morality police, um, saying that we don't, ha- we don't know anyone here in Tehran. We are strangers here in Tehran. Please uh, don't take my, my sister with you. But uh, they resisted and they, the morality police uh, used force and um, tear gas spray. Um, and took um, Mahsa or Gina uh, with themselves. Uh, they took her uh, in their van, uh, which is the vehicle that they use uh, uh, with many other uh, girls and women uh, to Wazara Street, which is where they often, they usually take uh, women to for uh, the, rest, the rest of the things that they do. But um, what happened to uh, Gina or Mahsa uh, was that uh, usually when they take these women to uh, Wazara Street, there are some uh, educational courses, but these uh, women should fill a written statement that they would promise to um, keep their hijab properly from then on. Apparently, uh, Mahsa uh, resisted, and there were some fights and battles. She was beaten severely, and then uh, she collapsed. She was taken to hospital, Castro Hospital, which is again in Tehran. And after um, a couple of days, she was uh, passed away. When she was taken to hospital, she was already brain dead in coma. And uh, the hospital said this in a statement that they can't really, they couldn't really do anything to her because she was already sort of dead. Um, her kidneys weren't functioning, uh, her brain was dead, and uh, even her heart wasn't uh, working properly. So the, the hospital couldn't do anything. They uh, wrote this statement on their Instagram account, the Castro Hospital, but they took it uh, from the Instagram account after a couple of hours because apparently um, the Iranian regime forced the hospital to take the post off from their Instagram account. The, the news about this uh, tragic uh, incident uh, first got viral on Twitter, and then from Twitter it uh, leaked into other uh, social media platforms and other news um, uh, websites. So everyone was reacting um, to it. We are all mourning this uh, tragic incident now. It is a it's a really tragic incident, and uh, it's outraged a lot of people. Thank you for talking 
about some of the public response and outrage at this this incident. But um, for our Australian listeners or for our listeners who are not familiar with Iran, can you explain what the morality police are? How do they fit into Iranian society? So the morality police started officially in 2007, early in a famous president, uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad's time. So they are known under the names um, Guidance Patrol or Morality Police or Morality Squads. Usually they have a van. There are male crews um, accompanied uh, with some chador-clad women. They usually stand in uh, very busy um, areas in different cities. Uh, like um, shopping centers, um, subway stations. What they want to do is basically to, they they follow this doctrine of enjoying uh, what is right and forbidding what is wrong, Amre Bemaruf and Nahiyaz Monkar, which comes from the Islamic doctrines. There are a lot of uh, controversies around the existence of um, these morality polices. The more conservative uh, side of the regime supports it a lot, but the more uh, liberal um, side of the regime, there are more controversies around it. But particularly, it is very much supported by the high officials like the supreme leaders, because they have a huge investment on women's hijab because hijab um, in Iranian um, political system is the symbol of the regime. And there is so much pressure to, I mean, keep Iranian women's veiled while there is, again, a lot of resistance from the side of Iranian society, like Iranian women, they don't usually, uh, they don't like the veil, I can say, a lot of them. Although the regime tries to, put so much pressure to keep them well. So there is a huge um, battle in that regard between the state and the people. Uh, As part of this resistance from the side of people, there is also an application um, invented, like it it is called Gershad, which is a play on the name of Gashte Ershad, the the name of morality police in Persian. What Gershad's application does is that it updates people on where different morality, where morality polices are in different parts of the country. And it is updated every uh, very regularly. So people and women particularly, they know like where these morality polices are now. So when they are um, crossing by those areas, they try to keep their, their rails more uh, properly. So can you tell me what's the relationship then between the... Uh, morality police and, for example, the Revolutionary Guard, do the morality police have official powers? Do they have official status or are they a little bit of an informal police? Morality polices are part of the policing Iranian uh, uh, system. So uh, they are semi-official. They they do have power. So like they can arrest people. They can uh, fine people. They can um, keep people in custody for several days. And um, they are a different part. They are different from the revolutionary um, guard. Uh, like, although at, at some time they might collaborate with forces like Basij, uh, which is part of the revolutionary guard, because a Basij, when the, the the Basij forces, when they see that um, a women's veiling um, isn't uh, being uh, properly um, observed in some areas, they might call Gashte Ershad uh, to. Uh, come and observe, apply some force 
um, but Basij doesn't have that much power in terms of controlling uh, women's um, railing, but Gashir Shot or the morality police, they do have uh, power. So as I said, they can officially force women to um, sit in their van and be taken to uh, Wazaroy Street for like filling in a statement or they, they might be forced to take um, educational uh, lessons or like they have to stay there for a couple of, I mean, one night or several days until their parents come and give the woman appropriate clothing so that they can be released. So yeah, they have semi-official power. The history goes back to um, the beginning of the revolution. Uh, although um, compulsory hijab became uh, mandatory in Iran in uh, a few years after the revolution in 1981, then but while the revolution um, happened in 1979, but uh, there were different forms of morality polices who had the, the whole history of the Islamic Republic in Iran, because as I said, their ideology is um, so much interconnected with women's body that they have been policing women's bodies since their um, uh, coming to power in Iran. Will there be an investigation? Will there be any accountability whatsoever for this police force? Is there a way to hold an investigation into the morality police and the beating to death of this woman? Unfortunately, not. I mean, the people uh, are putting huge pressure on the government, uh, on the state, uh, so that they be accountable. But uh, what is obvious is that um, they won't be accountable. Uh, the, the What they did so far was that they always tried to uh, reject that they even impose any sort of violence on uh, Mahsa Amini. Um, the Iranian police said uh, Mahsa Amini had history of different kinds of diseases since uh, her childhood, like since uh, she was five years old. Like she had, the police said she had epilepsy, she had heart disease, she had diabetes, different kinds of diseases in order to say that she had all these uh, chronic diseases and we didn't do anything wrong. And uh, what they did also was that they uh, they showed um, a footage like the CCTV cameras, uh, videos, but they cut different parts of the uh, CCTV videos. And um, the video that they uh, broadcasted uh, was uh, clearly manipulated. And also like what they show was only part of their story. So people are asking Iranian police that what happened after where the video was stopped. Because at the end of the video, Masa Amini collapses, but the Iranian society are asking, we want to watch the whole video. We want to know what happened to her after she collapsed because there are estimations that after, so like from the unofficial um, narratives that we hear is that after she collapsed, she is taken somewhere and she's beaten several times and her head is um, beaten to the wall around 10 to 11 times. And after that, uh, she, she is brain dead. But the, the police uh, rejects all these things and she's uh, the police is trying to say these are uh, propaganda stories um, to threaten uh, the regime um, as usual. 
but Iranian society are um, protesting. Um, there are uh, protests um, in different cities in Iran uh, going on for several days now. Uh, many different uh, parts of Iranian society, even famous celebrities, uh, people are, reject are reacting to it. And there are also vigils uh, held in different uh, cities around the world, like even here in Melbourne. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. Today's show focuses on the recent murder of a woman in Iran by the morality police for failing to wear her hijab properly. I'm joined by Dr. Elham Naij, an expert in Iran, gender studies and gender relations. I want to try and understand a little bit about how this practice has been used because obviously Gina is not the only person that this has happened to. Women have been arrested across the country regularly ever since the National Hijab and Chastity Day that was declared on the 12th of July. One of the women was Sefideh Rashnor, a writer and artist who was reportedly beaten and tortured in custody before making a forced apology on television. So is this practice becoming more and more common in Iran or has it always been this bad? Um, my feeling is that it is becoming um, worse recently after the coming into um, uh, power of uh, President Raisi, uh, which is more um, hardliner, more conservative. And my uh, understanding is also um, that as um, the gap between the state and the people widens, the pressure that the regime uh, puts on people um, and tries to try to um, hold the state together becomes uh, harsher. As you mentioned, the case of Sevideh Rashanum, uh, she is a 20-year-old um, writer artist on the day for hijab and chastity, which is um, 12 of July. She she faced one of these uh, uh, morality police, but but I just want wanted to add a, a footnote here is that even this very day of hijab and chastity is a new invention. So before that, like until so far, we didn't have such a day in Iran, but this is a new invention. So this also shows that the regime is investing on on uh, the concept of hijab more strongly in recent years. Uh, according to human rights groups, um, Sebide Rashnu was taken to hospital uh, with internal bleeding shortly after uh, she was arrested. On the national TV of Iran, uh, a video of her uh, was uh, broadcasted. Uh, the video is known as forced confession by the people. Uh, her face is bruised. Are pale and subdued. There are clear signs of physical uh, beating and torture, also uh, psychological torture, because like she's she isn't really feeling her real self in the video, uh, and she is clearly coerced into confession. The, and she she's she's sort of confessing that I was misguided by Western forces. The, I was wrong and I apologize. So what really happened is that she, in the bus, this woman who was wearing hijab, she tells her, um, your hijab, I mean, Sefide Rashno's hijab, her hijab isn't okay. Uh, she has to wear it more properly. And Sefide is saying that it's really hot and I can't wear it and uh, it's none of your business. 
go mind your own business. And um, the woman, her name is Rayehe um, Rabi'i. Rayehe tells Sepide that I will show your video to the revolutionary force in Iran. The, and Sepide says, I will show your video to the whole world. And that's what, what actually she did. She sent the video to international um, um, journalists and the video went viral and saw, um, saw by, I mean, it was posted on um, news agencies around the world. But this, this Sepide's case wasn't the only case. The, another case that again happened in the last summer in Iran was that a woman is a is trying to stop the uh, morality police's van, saying that don't take my daughter, daughter with you because she is really sick. She cannot um, survive the stress because her heart is uh, not okay. But we see that uh, the police, uh, the van actually like tries to um, uh, drive away and she sort of uh, thrown down, like as if the van is just crossing by her body. It, it is a very violent scene and there are numerous women being beaten uh, violently. So yes, um, there is more and more pressure uh, from the side of the government. But what I see is that this pressure is also because Iranian women are nowadays more aware of their rights. They are really demanding their bodily autonomy. And that's why when the morality police try to stop them, they don't um, remain silent. They fight back and the, the fighting back creates a violence. I mean, in, in, amplifies the violence in a sense. And this is actually a right to fight back, but that's, uh, and the very fact that these news uh, becomes more viral is that Iranian society has become sensitive to women's uh, bodily autonomy rights and the fact that women have the right to choose what they wear. And this sensitivity um, is the reason behind all these videos becoming viral and all these hashtags and all these pro protests on the streets. Other than the hijab, can you tell us what are some of the other moralistic and repressive laws that Iran has against women and women's freedoms, but also other minorities like homosexuals, the LGBTIQ community? Regarding women, there are numerous laws within the Iranian legal system that uh, tries to um, oppress women and uh, take away their uh, freedom, for example, to begin with uh, this very law of compulsory hijab. Um, women are forced to wear hijab since they are six or seven year years old. Um, but um, the age of marriage uh, in Iran is 13 years old, but um, uh, women can be forced to marry even at a younger age, which is child marriage. And it is, again, another violation of women's rights. Uh, in case of honor killings, if um, a husband or a father uh, is suspicious of the loyalty of, for example, the wife, or like if the daughter is in a relationship with someone, um, the father or the husband uh, can really easily get away uh, from any sort of punishment. And that's what uh, promotes um, honor killing. Iranian women, when they become mothers, they cannot have uh, the custody rights of their own children. Um, in terms of the inheritance laws, um, Iranian women uh, inherit half of their brothers. 
in terms of divorce laws, Iranian women, when they get married, they don't have um, divorce rights. So it is a uh, divorce right is only and only the the right of the husband. So only the husband can divorce her uh, his wife. Also, Iranian women, uh, when they get married, uh, they have to obey the law of tamkin or obedience, which is they, uh, which means that they have to obey their husbands, both sexually and in general terms. For example, when they want to work somewhere or even they want to leave the house, or as I said, sexually. So, like whenever the husband wants to have a relationship, sexual relationship, the woman has to submit all these sort of laws laws um, disregards uh, women's basic human rights but also people of other gender orientations the lgbtqia plus so these people are so their rights are uh, very much disregarded um, and violated in Iranian uh, legal system. Uh, to begin with, um, the homosexual uh, relationships are illegal and punishments like even they might be executed. B- back to the topic of uh, morality policies, uh, LGBTQIA plus community, when, um, when the morality police suspects of their appearance, if they look to be non-binary or even they look to be belonging to the LGBTIA plus uh, community, uh, the morality police can arrest these people. And when they know that they are belonging to a gender minority group, their uh, attitude with these people are much harsher because they know that the legal system in no way supports people who belong to um, minority groups in terms of their gender. Trans people, they are forced to uh, do the surgery. For example, a trans uh, man has to undergo this uh, surgery when um, uh, he says that I am a man while he has a woman's body. Uh, even if he doesn't want to undergo that operation, but the law forces him um, to undergo that surgery in a way, if he wants, and that's a really expensive uh, operation. Um, so this again violates uh, LGBTQIA process rights. There are many other ways that there are there LGBTQIA process. The, 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 these these communities' uh, rights are disregarded, and so the 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 further you are from the center of power in the Iranian hierarchical system, the more your rights are disregarded. You mentioned the protests that broke out following her death and, of course, at her funeral there were even more protests. Um, this is tapping into the deep anger and hostility that people have actually towards the state of Iran. Can you tell me about the demonstrations but also what are the main demands of this protest movement? That's a good question. So um, the protests uh, are at different levels. So there are actual protests going on in the streets. I mean, by actual, I mean like in real world, but there are also um, a lot of protests on the uh, virtual space, like on social media. Women are taking off their headscarves. They are um, cutting their hair. Women are um, burning their headscarves. Even famous uh, celebrities um, like uh, Katayum Riahi, uh, she unveiled publicly. A lot of other people, they also did the same. A lot of businesses said they won't 
produce hijab related products like headscarves anymore but in in a street uh, what's happening in a street is that uh, people in different cities in Iran, in Iran but particularly in Kurdistan they are protesting they are saying no to morality police they are saying at another level, they are saying no to uh, the law of compulsory hijab. They are also saying that so at some level, sometimes the protests even go further and they are saying that uh, they don't want the whole regime. So they are saying uh, no to the Islamic uh, Republic in Iran. Um, and also they are asking justice uh, at a personal level. They are asking justice for um, uh, Gina Amini or Mahsa Amini. They are saying that they want to watch the whole footage. They want to know what happened. They want the police and all the people who are accountable to be punished. And one of their mottos is it focuses on women and freedom. It says that uh, we want women to be free because uh, women's freedom means uh, life. And that goes uh, refers uh, to the name of Gina, which in Persian means actually life. And what's written on Gina, I mean, is a uh, despot, is, uh, sorry, a uh, tomb, is that um, your name is going to be a, a code. And uh, this is um, being referred back on uh, the protest. Uh, women and men are saying that your name is going to be our code to freedom. Your name is going to unlock freedom for us. Uh, so they are wanting freedom from oppressive laws, both um, in relation to women and in relation to the whole Iranian societies, which means freedom from the Islamic State in Iran. That was Dr. Elham Naij, an expert in Iran gender studies and gender relations, about the recent murder of a woman in Iran for failing to wear her hijab properly. The event has sparked massive protests across that country. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kanjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.